Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. And uh, I want to share a message with you this morning entitled, Living Spirit-Led. Living Spirit-Led. And um, I want to, uh, we've been uh, in the book of Galatians for the last uh, for the last couple of weeks now, and just going through uh, chapter by chapter and section by section, and just as the Holy Spirit's led, and um, I just have really, really felt impressed to share this message this morning on living um, spirit-led. And I talk about um, a lot of times in in the church. I talk about living um, spirit-led, and so I'm excited to share this message with you. Um, this morning, I believe it's going to minister to some of your hearts. Some of you who may have wondered, well, what, is it, what does it mean uh, to live spirit-led? I hope this is going to be uh, something that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart about that. And then for all of us who um, are, are on that journey and walking with the Lord and, and living a spirit-led life, um, hopefully this will minister to you and just remind us of some important things of what it means to just walk hand-in-hand hand, uh, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. So Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13, um, this is what it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love, or serve one another humbly in love. Verse number 14 goes on to say this, uh, it says, The entire law is summed up in one single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. If you, if you want to, you can highlight that, underline that. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. (laughs) Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I, uh, as, as we share this message on, on living spirit-led, I, I really was, was caught by uh, the second part of verse number 17. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And I was reminded of where Paul had talked about how the things that he wants to do, uh, he can't do, and the things that he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing, and he goes through that whole spill um, in, one of his, in one of his earlier letters. And it reminded me of the times where uh, we find ourselves doing the very thing that we said we weren't going to do. <laughs> you been there? I've been there, you know. I'm going to start a diet on Monday, and by Monday night I have sacrificed my diet. And 
have picked up the ice cream. Amen? You know, you set out on your agenda, and then, and then of course, diets only start on Monday, so you have to wait till the next week. And then you start all over again. And, you know, I, I got to thinking about that, that, that principle in life, how there's that constant tension behind what we know we should do and what we don't do and what we do and we don't want to do, as Paul talks about. And, and here Paul is underlining to the Galatian church as he's been uh, confronting this idea of trying to live under this legalistic viewpoint and not in the grace and the relationship with God because it's only through His grace that we receive His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to overcome those things. So that not only do we not only do we meet the requirements of the law through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit, but we walk in the blessings and the benefits as a result of that. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, oftentimes we make these plans and we make these decisions as as people who've said yes to Jesus and being in a relationship with Him. That I think it just makes God laugh. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? Tell your neighbor you should laugh more. Oh, it's going to be a rough morning, Brandy. Um, you know, I, um, I, 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 have, I have found that, and I, and I often remind our staff and, and people that are closest to me in my life, I often remind them, never say never. <laughs> because I just think that when you say never, God says, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> and um, because when it comes to saying yes to Jesus and it comes to being spirit-led, you often find yourselves going and doing things that you never thought you would do. Um, I'll never forget, um, for me, a, a little bit of my story. I was, um, I, I, my mom and dad had an incredible um, salvation experience with the Lord, my mom especially. I'm hoping uh, to talk them into, I know they're watching right now, so I'm going to call you about this later, but I'm hoping to have them come and share their testimony. I want to have them on a Sunday morning and uh, just want to sit them down and just have them share their story. And I think it would bless uh, a lot of us here. And I love hearing it over and over again of just how God has, um, has just what he's done through the, the course of their life. But my parents got saved and through that, um, that opened the door for me and my sister to also begin that. And so I'll never forget at the age of five, we had left church on a Wednesday night uh, that we had just started going to. And um, we were driving home, and we were in the back of, I still remember our car. It was, I think it was a 94 or 95 uh, Pontiac Grand Prix. It may have been a little newer than that. But we were driving in that blue car, and we were driving home. And I just remember the conversation that I had with Jesus when I said I wanted him to be my Lord. And I just began, at the age of five, I just began really talking to the Lord because my parents taught me the importance of it's not about going to church. If, if, you think, if you think being a Christian is about going to church, you've missed everything that Jesus did. I'm glad you're here. And please come back next Sunday. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. But if all you're getting with Jesus is what you have in this hour and a half, two hours on Sunday mornings, or an hour, hour and a half on Wednesday nights, and you're, not, you're missing the whole reason he went to the cross and he died. And he rose from the dead. Because what he intended was to walk hand in hand with you and to have a conversation with you every single day so that you didn't have to do this life alone. So that you could experience his presence. So that you could experience his love. You're doing yourself a great disservice by not spending time with the Lord. Let me tell you, the church can't raise your kids in the things of God. 
The, the reason that I had the foundation, the reason that I had the things that I did, was the church a benefit of that? Was it, a, was it a component of that? Absolutely. But the foundation of that was the relationship that I saw my mom and dad walk out with Jesus and their intentional times that they took for us to engage in the Word of God together. The problem is, somewhere along the way in the church, we thought that it was up to the pastors and we thought it was up to the church to, to grow us up. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's not up to, it's, it's personal. Everything that Jesus did, it was personal because it was done out of love. Love is personal. It's a personal thing. Jesus went to the cross not so that we could gather together in churches. He went to the cross so that he could talk to you every single day. So that not only could he show you how much he loved you by dying on the cross for your sins, but so that he could talk to you about it every morning when you wake up. That in the deepest, darkest moments and hours of your life, that you would be reminded that you're not alone. Okay, i gotta, I got to get back on track. So anyways, through that process, at eight and a half years old, um, we had... Uh, moved back to uh, we had moved back to Fort Wayne. We had left for a little while for my dad's job, and the Lord started calling my parents on this incredible faith journey. And we had moved back to Fort Wayne. And we were going to uh, to a church there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we were having a worship night. Um, let me just tell you, if you don't take time to pray and worship, you're missing out. Um, but on the I think it was on the fourth Sunday night of every month, they would have what they called Battle Cry Night. And it was just worship and communion and prayer. And it was just an incredible time to engage in the presence of God. And, um, and, and there, was no, there was no set agenda. It was just an open time to, to pray. And so I was, I was kind of um, in this side section, almost towards the back. And our parents were there. And we were spending time just worshiping. And the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit and gave me a heavenly prayer language. And I heard as clear as ever, Jesus said, I'm calling you to preach my word. And I knew from that moment on exactly what I would do. Here's the thing. I didn't know where or how. And if you'd have told me at eight and a half years old in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that I would end up in Camden, Arkansas, I would tell you, not a chance. Because when the Lord calls us to something or God gives us a promise, instead of following his lead, we often try to take the lead and we become frustrated when it doesn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. Because I had made up my mind that I was not ever, never, ever would I be a youth pastor. Never. And if you're new to CFA, you'll know that before I was the senior pastor, for six and a half years, I was the youth pastor of this church. And uh, thank you. And and so I, I when the Lord, I was preaching at uh, eighteen. I went into full time ministry. I quit my job, and because uh, the Lord told me to. Um, and that's the, the beautiful thing about obedience with the Lord. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Um, when the Lord challenges you to do something, just do it. Tell your neighbor, just do it. Sometimes we wonder why we're missing out on the blessings and the benefits of the promises of God, and it's because we've just not been obedient. And all the while, Jesus is sitting there and he's saying, listen, if you'll just do what I told you to do in the first place, I've got it all covered. Just be obedient. Just trust me. And so I quit my job and started preaching full time. Had no idea how I was going to pay my bills. Had no idea how I was going to take. I didn't have many, but I had a car payment and insurance and fuel. And, of course, traveling to all these little churches in the middle of nowhere and preaching and paying the gas for that and, and, and 
going and doing all those things. I had no idea. But the Lord, every single week, God just blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. People would walk up to me and give me $100 bills. Churches would give me double or three times what they would normally give. I mean, it was just incredible to watch because the deal is this. When you're led by the Spirit of God and you follow in obedience to what He said, He'll bless your life. So I was preaching a revival. I was serving at the time. I had just finished serving as interim pastor for about six months at First Assembly of God in Paragold, Arkansas, about 30 minutes from Jonesboro. Had gone to work um, part-time at my home church, Jonesboro First Assembly, and um, was, was serving as the young adult pastor. Um, never thought I'd be a young adult pastor, but when my pastor asked me, Jesus told me to do it, and so I did. And we went from 12 kids, and in three months we were running 50 and 60 packed in this little house. It was incredible what the Lord was doing. And so it was amazing, that journey. It was amazing, that process that was happening. And so I was preaching these revivals, and I was taking church vans with me, full of these young adults that were coming with me. And we were driving to little country churches in the middle of nowhere. Now listen, how incredible is it for college students and everything else that the world has to offer to pack up in a church van and go to a little country church in the middle of nowhere where everybody in the congregation has a tambourine and nobody can play on beat? to have a revival service. Now tell me that's not Jesus. It is. We have a no tambourine policy. If you want to talk to me about it, schedule an appointment. No tambourines, all right? So anyway, so we, uh, <laughs> so I, I was in this little church in Leechville, Arkansas. It was a Sunday morning. I had finished preaching. It was Sunday afternoon. And uh, I got a phone call from Pastor Greg, our former pastor. He was my youth pastor in Jonesboro. And he had come down here. Many of you, uh, many of you were here and you remember that and remember them and just Wonderful, wonderful family, and so thankful for uh, the role they played in my life. But we, uh, he called me, and I was uh, in between services. And of course, when you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't drive all the way back home to drive all the way back out. So you do what every um, uh, young person loves to do: you wait. And so I was waiting and and taking advantage of that time, just spending time with the Lord. And so he called me, and um, he asked me if I would come and serve as his youth and associate pastor at, at here at First Assembly at Camden First Assembly, and I said, it would be an honor, um, you know, to, uh, to work for you and to serve with you guys and to be able to continue to do that. Had for many years under his ministry at, at First there in Jonesboro, and I said, I'll pray about it, and I'll let you know. And I said, it's youth and associate, and he was like, yes, it's youth and associate. I was like, oh, okay. And so I was like, that is such an honor, and it's such, I'm, I'm honored that he would call and in the back of my head, I was saying, I, am, I said I'd never be a youth pastor. I'm not going to be a youth pastor. I'm loving what I'm doing. So I hung up the phone, and I walked into the sanctuary uh, to go back to pray and, and to get ready for our revival service that night. And the Holy Spirit told me to call him back and tell him yes. And I'll never forget, I was probably about the second row here, here right here by where Jose is. And I, and I was walking back to the front, and I stopped. And I put my hand on the pew, and I said, Why? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> you ever have those moments where you pray, complain, pray to God? I don't want to. I'm not. And, 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 and if you know anything about me, and, and know, I, was, I was never much of the teenager type or kid type. I wore suits to school. Um, I, was, I didn't want to be at the kids' table at the holidays. I wanted to be at the parents' table. I wanted to be in on the conversations and what was happening. When I visited my grandparents, I couldn't wait to go to work with my grandpa so that I could dress up and carry his briefcase. And I mean, you know, there was just all... I loved being with the adults. I loved being... Because there was so much that you could learn from them, even if you were just listening. If you weren't saying anything but just listening. I loved it. And so when God told me to do a youth pastor, honestly, it scared me to death. 
Because I thought, I don't, you know, young adults is one thing, but teenagers, that's, that's, that's an animal of its own. And uh, the Lord told me, call him back and tell him yes. And I hadn't had time to call my family, and, and my mom and dad are incredible counselors and prayer warriors and spend a great deal of time praying and fasting. And, you know, I have a circle of people that I consider my counselors. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. And, uh, and so I hadn't taken the time to ask them to pray about it and share their thoughts and, and uh, their counsel on it. None of that. And I said, Lord, <laughs> i got to make some calls. And he said, call him back and tell him yes. And uh, I had been around long enough to know in our family's journey of coming to Arkansas that um, obedience is better than any sacrifice. And while it was going to sacrifice my personal comfort and preference, saying yes to Jesus was going to position me for what he had, not what I thought he had. There's a difference. It positions us for not what, what we think he has, but for what he actually has. So I called him back and I said, hey, pastor, I was just calling to tell you yes. And he was like, well, that was fast. And I said, tell me about it. I said, "Um, Jesus told me to call you and tell you yes. And I said, so I'm coming. Um, Just, you know, whatever you need, let me know. And and he said, well, I'm meeting with the the board. And he said, I'll get back with you and let you know. And so um, it was just a couple months later, about a month and a half later, that I came uh, to CFA to serve as youth pastor. And that whole time, I'd always said, I never want to be a youth pastor. But God had a different plan. And the thing is, is in our life is a lot of times the things that we say we'll never do or the things that we never want to do or the things that we, we make those declarations and those statements. And if we're not careful and we won't follow the Holy Spirit regardless of what we think or what we know or what we've said, but if we'll trust Him and live Spirit-led, we'll position ourselves for the, what God has for us in our lives and the blessings that He has. I came and I thought, I have no idea where to start with teenagers. I have no idea what to do. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, love them. He said, all this world is looking for, from the youngest to the oldest, is my love. Love them. And it was incredible. I think we had six students our first night. We've had up to 60 students um, as much in that time. And it's been incredible, the ones that God has brought in and the ways that God has blessed and the ways that God has moved and the things that I've learned in the process of what God's shown me. But I thought, I don't play video games. I'm horrible at sports. Don't ask me to throw a basketball. Please don't throw anything at me for me to catch it. It will be assault with a deadly weapon, and I will press charges. Do not, do not throw things at me. I cannot catch it. I have no hand-eye coordination. I just don't. And I thought, what in the world am I doing serving as a youth pastor? And the thing that happens is we oftentimes try to disqualify ourselves from what the Holy Spirit has equipped and qualified us to do. Stop putting limitations on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Tell your neighbor, stop limiting God. So anyways, Spirit-led. That was a really long introduction for this message. But I, I, I just felt, I felt the Holy Spirit just impress on me to share that with you. Never say never. Because if you, if you make the determination in your life that you're not going to do, you're not going to give, you're not going to serve, you're not going to go anywhere other than what you feel comfortable with or what you think you should, you will rob yourself of the blessings and the benefits of God. Be Spirit-led. Paul's reminding the Galatians in this, and there's, there's three things that I want to share with you about living a spirit-led life, living spirit-led. Number one is this, we must identify who we are serving. He said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
You know, I, for years, Brother Tommy, when I, was, when I would preach about the freedom of Christ and I'd preach about this verse, I love that first part. You know, don't use your freedom, you know, to indulge in those things, but the freedom of God, just the freedom, you can shout, you can make a whole message on freedom. But then you get to that last part about serve one another in love, and people don't shout as loud. And my point is proven. And so you, you, learn, you learn that serving isn't that much fun, right? You know, you, you think about it. We had that wonderful steak dinner, and there was a crew of us that stayed behind to serve to work. And I, we, Penny, Penny washed a lot of plates, and I, I rinsed a lot of plates. And there was a lot of silverware that had to be dried and a lot, a lot of plates that had to be dried and stuff that had to be cleaned up and packed up and, you know, and, and the idea of doing those things is fun, but the, the work behind it and the serving that's behind it, 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 you realize that it comes with a price. And, and, and so when we talk about serving, it's not usually the first thing that we shout about and the things that we get excited about. But the truth is, is it's what Jesus modeled before he died. It was like, if, it was, if there was one, one of the last sermons that Jesus preached before he went to the cross, it was serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Why? Because we will serve one thing or another. And what Paul is reminding the Galatian church and what we're reminded of today is we're either serving our sinful desires or we're serving one another. But the bottom line is this, you can't serve both. Because when you serve, when you are serving someone else, what happens is, is you are putting their needs their priorities, their wants, above yourself. My preference is, what I would rather have is, what I would rather do is, but when I make my life about serving someone else, it's not about my preference anymore, it's about what they prefer. It's why Jesus drives the point home. And here's the thing, when we recognize that God has called us to serve, it changes the way we think and the way we approach the situations and the seasons that we face in our life. It's why we should look for opportunities to serve one another. We should look for opportunities to serve in the body of Christ. We should look for those moments because what happens is, is it keeps us from allowing what we prefer to take precedent over what God prefers. Because what happens is it reminds us that it's not about my will, my want, my way, but it's about His. And if I make my business about what He's made His business about, then it will position me to hear what He is saying and do what He is leading me to do. But we have to ask ourselves, who are we serving? I, know, I, didn't, I didn't think you'd shout this morning over that. <laughs> I argued with the Holy Spirit about it, but it's the Word. He said, serve one another. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm called to serve you. Isn't it great to be served? Isn't it wonderful? It's nice when you don't have to do any of the hard stuff. You know, just walk into church and it's all done. Somebody hands you a bulletin. You don't even have to walk over and pick it up. Somebody hands it to you. Walk in and sit down. You know... I don't know if I should use that illustration. You know, it, 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 what happens is, is when, we're, when we're doing what he's called us to do, we're not worrying about what. We're not trying to make something else happen. We're not making a, a, making a bigger deal out of something that doesn't actually have an impact or a difference in our lives. 
And when we're busy about what he's called us to be busy about, when our focus and our attention on is what he's called us to have our focus and our attention on, it shifts the way that we respond, the way that we react, and the way that we live in the world around us. It's no longer about my rights and my privileges. It's how can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I honor you? And when we put ourselves in that position, we put ourselves in the same position that Jesus did, which makes us available. If it's all about me and what I want and how I want it and how I like it, and what happens is, is if I'm too busy being worried about who's serving me instead of who Jesus has called me to serve, I will lose sight of what Jesus has called me to do. You told me to preach this. This is what Jesus said. Matthew uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses, uh, verses 37 through 40. And I think we've got it on the screen for you this morning. Um, you know, Jesus is, is reminding us of, uh, of an important uh, principle as believers of how to live our life and how to respond to the situations and the circumstances that we face. And so that's what we find in, in Chapter 22, Jesus, in verse 34, he said, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I'm convinced that one of the problems that we have with serving one another is that we don't love ourselves. And it's hard to love somebody else the way that we love ourselves if we don't love ourselves. And what happens is, is oftentimes, as we get so caught up in the image and the events and the circumstances of life that are happening around other people, and we start trying to take on uh, the way they do things or the way they handle things or the way they approach things. And what happens is we get so caught up in that that we lose sight of who we are in Christ. But when we spend that time with Jesus and we get an image of who he sees us, as and who he's created us to be, then it changes the way because what happens is you, find, you begin to discover that you actually love who you are. Ask your neighbor, do you love yourself? Oh, this is, y'all, y'all, will you help me, please? Will you help me preach this morning? Ask your neighbor, do you love yourself? When you look in the mirror, when you look at your life, are you beating yourself up or are you seeing what Jesus sees? Because we spend more time talking about our weight, how we look, what we've done wrong, how we haven't got it right, how we haven't put together. And I got news for you. Jesus died for you. The Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, the Savior of the world, died on the cross because he loved you. He loved you. You. He loved everything about you. Every imperfection that you think you have that makes you unlovable, that makes you unworthy, that makes you unnoticeable to the rest of the world. It is the one reason that Jesus died on the cross. It is because he loved you. He loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Think about it. The Son of God. The Savior of the world died for you because he loves you. Not because he wanted to add numbers to his kingdom. Not because he wanted to make a name for himself. Not because he wanted to establish some great thing in the world. He died because he loved you and he wanted you to know how loved you are. 
The difference in somebody who knows that they are loved and who loves who they are is how they serve those around them. Because what happens is, is they look at the people around them the same way that Jesus has looked at them. I love who I am and all my imperfections and all my shortcomings and faults because I'm loved by him. Because I know that who I am today won't be who I'll be tomorrow because I'm in a transformation process with the king. And as I walk hand in hand with him, he's leading me on a journey that is transforming my life as I step from this life into eternity with him. When I understand how much I'm loved by him, then I can truly begin to love and serve others the way that he loved and served me. Tell your neighbor, you look good. Tell your neighbor, you're loved. <laughs> I, tell, I, I tell people all the time, I, I had one of my good friends, every time they would come over, we would eat dinner, or we would, we would have dinner together, and they would get ready to leave, and I'd say, listen, I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. He finally told me one day, he said, why, why, do, you, why do you say you love us? And I said, because I do. <laughs> he said, that's weird. <laughs> and I was like, well, is it weird that Jesus loves you? No. And I was like, why is it weird that I love you? The reason that I tell, listen, the reason that I tell people all the time that I love them is because some people haven't heard it in a long time. You are loved. And it's why he died. And when we grasp that and we begin to serve one another out of the love of Christ, here's the thing. Serving isn't a burden, it's a joy. Because what happens is, is I see the joy on your face when I serve you. And you see the joy on someone else's face when you serve them. And what happens is we realize that what Jesus came to do was for us to experience the freedom that we have. Serving one another brings freedom. It brings joy. It brings the blessings and the benefits of heaven. Serving ourselves, serving our sinful nature only leads to death. It's why we're so miserable. Because we're not serving. If you're miserable, I ask you this question, who are you serving? Is it, are you serving yourself or are you serving those around you? Yeah, I didn't figure you'd shout on that one either. Secondly, this morning, living spirit led. We must stop leading and start following. I want to, I, I, it, it's, it's getting late and you've gotten still, so I want you to, uh, I want you to play a game with me this morning. Are you ready? You ready? Yeah, some of y'all. All right. Have you ever played the game Simon Says? Some of you are like, children's church is down the hall, Pastor. I know. Um, we're going to play it in here this morning. Are you ready? All right, we're going to play it. We're going to call it Jesus Says. Instead of Simon, I don't know who Simon is, but I know who Jesus is. So we're going to play his game. You ready? All right. Jesus Says, stand up. Yeah, I know. you got to stretch. It's all right. I'm going to give you a minute. Praise the Lord. All right. Jesus Says, stretch. There you go. There you go. You find out who put their deodorant on this morning. (laughs) Jesus said, take a deep breath. Jesus said, let it out. You know, it's amazing to me the things that when Jesus says do it, and it's within, we think, our means or our capabilities, we do it. But when Jesus says do it and we don't think we can, we just stand there. (laughs) Because what happens is this obedience and following what Jesus says positions us to experience the blessings and the benefits of heaven. Living a spirit-filled life is about responding in obedience to what God said, because here's what happens. We will follow Jesus 
until he starts to go the way that we think he shouldn't. And then what happens is, is instead of him leading and us following, we start trying to get him to go a different way. Well, how about instead of doing it that way, I'll do it this way. All right, Jesus says, sit down. And what hap- this is what happens. It's easy for us, if our focus isn't on what Jesus is saying, to assume that Jesus would do what's next. And the importance of being Spirit-led is walking hand-in-hand with the Holy Spirit. It's why this is what, this is what he said in, in, uh, in verse, number, verse number 18. He's reminding them of what, he is, what Jesus has called us to do. And so he says... They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Verse 17, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not, you're not under the law. The difference of living under the law and living under grace is that one produces misery, the other produces life. The reason that Paul is saying you have freedom is not because it means you don't have to keep the law and that you don't have to follow anything that God has said from the very beginning until Jesus came. It's that when you have the Spirit of God and Jesus in your life, you have everything that you need to overcome. So when Jesus says, do, you realize I'm not living by my own means or my own ability. Because if I had said, if we were still playing, uh, Jesus said, and I said, um, I said, uh, Jesus said, do a somersault. Um, if you're like me, you're going to say, if I do a somersault, someone's going to have to call 911. Because something's going to (laughs) crack. But here's the thing. There are things that seem impossible with Jesus, or things that we deem impossible with Jesus, that if we would trust Him, because being Spirit-led means it's not by your ability. It's not by your measure. And here's the thing. We can do all the things that Jesus said, but the moment that it challenges us with what we have the means or the capability or the, the, what we think the understanding to do, what happens is, is we stop and we say, well, Jesus, why don't we do it this way? How about instead of a somersault, we give our neighbor a high five? <laughs> and immediately there's relief all across the room. Why? Because I can do that. I can give my neighbor a high five. I can't do a somersault in the middle of church. And what happens is is we start putting limitations on the Lord because we don't think that either A, we can do it, or B, that it should be done that way. You ever followed somebody and uh, both of you know where you're going, but one of you thinks she has the better route, and so you say, I'll follow you, and then they start driving and you get frustrated because they're not going the way you think they should go? I have that problem. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And they take the long way to get there, and I'm like, why? going the long there is a faster way why are you going this way this is ridiculous we're taking the long way to get there we don't have time for that we've got to get there we've got to go let's move on point a to point b i'm a planner point a to point b i don't have time for detours let's not take the scenic route we can see that another time if the plan is to take the scenic route then let's plan that but don't say let's go and then take the scenic route or stop somewhere along the way why are we here there ain't no food here you said we were going to eat not to shop and what happens is in life is Jesus will say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you this way, and we start to follow him, and he takes a turn that we didn't think he was going to take, or he makes a stop that we didn't think he was going to make, and we get frustrated. And so we try to grab Jesus by the hand. We try to grab the Holy Spirit by the hand and say, no, come on, let's go this way. I'm ready. 
<laughs> and all the while he's saying, yeah, you might, you, you might think you're ready, but the place that you're going to eat, you can't wear the clothes you have on, and so you've got to buy something else. I've got something else for you to wear, but if you don't make this stop, you're not going to have what you need in order to be able to get in the door. And what happens in our life is we start putting limitations and expectations and restrictions on the Lord, and we miss out on being spirit-led as what the Lord has called us to do. And so what happens is we start going down a road that we don't have our covering with. And then we wonder why we don't have the blessings, we wonder why we don't have the benefits, and it's because we've stepped away from the person who could have kept us safe. It doesn't mean that you won't ever find yourself in a position, that you won't ever find yourself in a season, that you won't ever find yourself in a place where it seems like all the world is against you and that everything that could go wrong has, you know, has gone wrong. It doesn't mean that you won't ever find yourself in those seasons, but what it does mean is that when you find yourself in those seasons, you don't have to worry because he's leading the way. We have to stop leading and start following. Here's the deal. I don't mean that you never be the leader in your home, that you never be the leader in your ministry, that you never be the leader in your job or whatever that is, because there's a chain of command with the Lord. But it means that in that chain of command that you're remaining submitted, that you're remaining committed to following Him and being Spirit-led. But what happens a lot of times is we turn the other way and try to tell God, well, this is how I want you to do it. Because we think it's the only way it can be done. And all the while, he's saying, I've got a way that you've never seen before. And if you'll trust me, I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to carry you through into the promise, into the plan that I have for your life. Let's go to Psalm 23. Most of us could probably quote it, but I want us us to read it this morning. uh, Because I want us to be reminded of of a a key principle um, that, that the psalmist writes for us to know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Notice, notice what, what David's saying. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Oftentimes we think it's up to us to to find those places, to find those times, to find those refreshings. But the reality is, it's not up to us, it's up to Him. And this is what He says, Even though I walk, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The difference of living spirit-led instead of me being in charge is that I position myself to follow the one who will lead me through the valley, who will lead me through the storm, who will lead me through the, to the victory that God has established for my life. And the thing is this, when I surrender what I think or how I think God should do it, and I trust what He has said, I position myself to live by the Spirit and experience the blessings of what His Spirit has to have. Because I begin to recognize that the chaos that's happening in my life is not a result of something that I have necessarily done or something that I've said. It's not a result of anything other than the fact that we live in a world that is broken and cursed by sin, and the enemy is doing everything that he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Living a spirit-led life is walking hand in hand and being led by his spirit 
through every valley, through every storm, in every battle, to every victory. Because he knows when you need rest. He knows when you need rest. Tell your neighbor, you need rest. Man, we, uh, Pastor Robert Morris this last week shared a, a, an incredible message on, on the power of rest. And uh, I want to buy this book for everybody in this church. And if there's a way that the Lord will let me do that, I'm going to try my best. But he, uh, uh, his new book, Take the Day Off, is that the name of it, Larissa? Is that the name of it, Diane? Take the Day Off? Yeah, Miss Diane, I think she's already tried to pre-order it. Take the Day Off. I have been, the Lord has given me messages on this before. Sunday night, probably three or four years ago, I preached a message on um, the power of rest. Um, the, the, the command that, that God gave for the Sabbath is, is not just for show. And Pastor Robert, man, he preached this message, just slapped me all in the face, stomped on my toes and everything else while I was there. And, uh, and I love it, it's good. Because he talked about how we'll, we believe that all of the Ten Commandments still apply except for the Sabbath day. And how we've missed the understanding. We somehow translated the Sabbath into that means going to church. It means you rest. And we wonder why we don't have some of the blessings and some of the benefits and why we're in the condition that we are. And it's because we haven't taken the time to rest. Everything that God said, every command that God gave, was a principle, was a command to bless you. So if it's been a long time since you've taken a day off to rest, you're missing out on the blessing that God has for your life. And he shares that revelation in such an incredibly powerful way as God gave it to him of the importance of what happens when you rest. God tells you to take the day off. You say, I can't. I have too much to do. God says, okay, do it your way. And then when we're exhausted and we're burnt out, and we have no energy, and we have no strength, and our health is on the fritz, we wonder why we're in the condition that we're in. And my question is, is, did you take a day off? But I have too much to do. I don't know if you know this, but God who created the heavens and the earth and all the universe that's around it, the universe that they still can't find the end of, that he holds in the palm of his hand, he took the seventh day off. So what do you have that's so much to do that you can't rest? And here's the deal. Well, if I rest, it won't happen. Did you hear what I said about being spirit-led? Because what will happen is, is if you'll trust the Lord and you'll be obedient to what He says, he'll do, you'll do more in six days than you could have ever done in seven. And if you don't believe it, try it and see what happens. Well, this has been fun. Thirdly, <laughs> remain in Christ. <laughs> remain in Christ. He said... He said in, in all of this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. What happens in our life when we don't live Spirit-led is we rob ourselves of the blessings of being Spirit-led. Because what happens is when we're not the ones that are in the lead, but we're the ones who are following, we position ourselves to reap the blessings and the benefits of not having the pressure and the responsibility of making it happen in our lives. Huh. Tell your neighbor, it's not up to you. The victory is not up to you. The battle isn't yours. 
to win. The miracle is not up to you. you the reason it's called a miracle is because you couldn't do it. The reason it's called a miracle is because I couldn't do it. The only way that it's a miracle is because God had to do it. So instead of us trying to figure out how we're going to make the miracle happen, how about we just rest in the fact that the miracle worker is working and he is moving according to his will and according to his plan and remain in what he's called us to, which is the two primary commands, which is to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we'll remain committed to that and walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, what we'll find is that instead of all of these things that we keep giving into and all these things that we keep settling for and all these things that we keep going back to and all this stress and all this worry and all this grief and all this anger and all this frustration and all this offense that has continued to overwhelm us in our life will suddenly begin to lift because we'll find that when we walk hand in hand with the Spirit of God, when we walk step by step with the Spirit of God, when we're led by the Spirit of heaven, when we walk hand in hand with what He's established for, for our lives, what happens? happens is we begin to see fruit that begins to pop up inside of us. We begin to find this love that's unconditional, that's full of grace, that's full of hope, that's at work within our life. We begin to find this joy that, 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 that overwhelms us to a point that we've never experienced joy in a way like we have in this way before, that in the middle of all of the chaos, in the middle of all of the storm, we have this joy, this laughter, this excitement, this happiness, because we realize that the fight that we're in, that the battle that we're up against isn't something that we have to make happen on our own, but it's up to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have this joy because we have a peace that passes all understanding. I shouldn't have peace. I shouldn't be able to rest. I shouldn't be able to, to sleep. I shouldn't be able to take the Sabbath and, and, and rest in what God said, but because I'm following the Holy Spirit, I know it's not up to me to make the miracle happen. I know it's not up to me to make the, the result come, come through or to see the victory won or to make it through to the other side. All I can do is just simply rest in the fact of knowing that he's in control, that he has a plan, that his timing's perfect, that he's leading me on the path that's full of righteousness, that's full of peace, that at the end holds the promise of what for my life, I find that in that I have patience suddenly like I've never had before, kindness like I've never had before, goodness like I've never had before, faithfulness like I've never had before, gentleness like I've never had before, and self-control like I've never had before, because what's happened is I'm walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. The power that I have to walk in all of those things is the result of walking hand in hand with Jesus and following His lead, because when I do, I can't help but be blessed. Even when it looks like nothing, even when it seems like nothing, I have all of those things at work in my life because I have decided to remain in Christ. Those of us who have said yes to Jesus, who, have, who belong to Christ and have crucified the sinful nature with His passions and desires... We live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The way that that happens is the moment that we've said yes to the Lord and we've walked in the promise and the plan that He has for our life. We begin to see the power of that at work. Austin, you can come play. John chapter 14, um, verse number 1. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. Have you ever noticed that when you cut a bush way back, especially in the spring and the season of growing, when you cut it way back and it looks ugly? <laughs> We, we call it, you see all those crepe myrtles that are out there in the middle of the parking lot. Every year, Brother Harold usually comes up and trims those back for us. And, and, um, and I always say that he's committed crepe murder. 
Well, I got, to, I got you to laugh at something. Praise the Lord. Some of you are like, that's not funny. And, um, but we, you know, we, we, cut, we cut those shrubs back. We cut those hedges back. And it's amazing when you cut those back. We got some that, uh, that in the spring that we're going to cut way back in order to get ready for the growth that God's bringing and that God has. And the purpose of that is because when it grows back, it grows back fuller and stronger than it was before. And what happens in our life is sometimes we're so worried about cutting certain things back, but the truth is, is if you don't prune, if you don't make those adjustments, if you don't make those, if you don't say yes to the things that Jesus is calling us to do, if we don't say yes to the areas that he's calling us to serve, if we don't say yes to the things that don't make sense, that don't add up in our brain, but just trust him, the truth is, is we'll produce more than we ever thought we could before. Why? Because it's called being led by the Spirit. It's Him having a plan and us trusting Him. Having the faith to know that He is faithful to His word and His promise. He says, he says this. He says, um, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, I will bear, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It will be given to you. This is what my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here's the deal. The Lord's blessing... In your life, a lot, of, a lot of times we think the blessings of God for our life are about us to be blessed. And the truth is, is the blessings of God in your life is so that the world will know that you are and that you belong to Him. Because you remain in Him. The blessings are not for your glory or for your benefit as much as they are for His. Because here's the deal. He takes care of His children. He blesses His children. He, he, he showers His love and His blessings on His children. So the thing, that, the thing is, is when God offers us correction, when the Holy Spirit comes in and shows us things that we need to adjust or shows us things that we need to change, the purpose of it is to produce growth in us. Some of you needed to hear and be reminded about the commandment of the Lord to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Because you've been going 100 million miles an hour and you feel like you're spinning your tires and the reason you are is because you haven't rested. Some of us, the Lord's calling us to serve in areas that we've never served before. Some of us, the Lord's calling us to do things. The Holy Spirit's challenging us to ask ourselves, are we walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and are we being led by Him? My prayer, my, my, my heart's cry is that, Lord, we will be a church that is led by You that we will follow after you, that we will make room for you, that we will let you move, that we will let you have your way. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my Father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Every single one of us in this room who have said yes to Jesus are called to be spirit-led.